Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rovardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson, and it's game day, Monday night football tonight, New York Giants hosting the Seattle Seahawks in what is a pretty crucial matchup for the New York Giants. I mean, you look at the schedule coming up ahead, the Giants play the Seattle Seahawks tonight, and then next week, they're on the road against the Miami Dolphins, then on the road again against the Buffalo Bills in another primetime matchup. So this is no easy schedule, but of those three games, I would argue that that tonight's game is the most winnable, so if the Giants want to keep their season alive, prove that they are truly playoff contenders, I think they got to get right with a win on Monday night. So, it'll be interesting to see if they're able to pull off this win, but if they want to pull off this win, there are some keys to victory. If the Giants accomplish certain tasks in this game, I could absolutely see them coming out on the winning end. Now, they are three-point underdogs in this game. I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I mean, it's a home game for the Giants, but you got to keep in mind, they are missing some players, so how do they make up for the loss of Andrew Thomas and probably Saquon Barkley. Well, again, there's some keys that if they if they accomplish these tasks, they can come away with the win over the Seattle Seahawks. So we're going to go ahead and dive into some of the keys of two victory in tonight's game. But before we do that, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And what are your thoughts on tonight's game? Ah, man, you know, we got to win this game, man. We got to win this freaking football game. The Giants are playing Seattle at home. It's They're one and two. This, is, this game has wild card implications down the road. We got Miami next week. You have to win this freaking game, Giants. You have to win this game. If you lose this game, you are probably dooming your season straight up. Like this, a loss tonight would would... It would be the end of our season, most likely. Um, that's how important this game is because you get a little bit of momentum. You saw what Buffalo just did to Miami. You can beat them. It's not impossible, but you need to step up. Like, you need – this is where it all comes down. You, If I'm Brian Dable, I'm going into that locker room and saying, boys, just like I said last week, you got to win this game because your season's on the line. Do you want to go down fighting or are you going to go down whimpering? That's what you got to say, man. This is a chance for them to step up and actually make sure that they put their best foot forward. At the end of the day, you're looking at Seattle. We're going to talk about the keys to how to win this game, what the Giants got to do. Now, every single week, we tell you what they got to do, and every single week, they do none of those things. So it's kind of like, okay, well, they can't do anything that we actually think they should be doing. Every single time we put together a game plan that makes a lot of sense, they do the exact freaking opposite, and they lose games. So, you know what? Not to say that we know better than the coaches. Obviously, we don't, but sometimes you question, like, why are they doing that? I know a lot of fans like, we're like, why are we doing that? You know, why is Adoree Jackson returning punts? We told you that was a bad idea. Um, so now we kind of move forward. We look at... Who we have? No Andrew Thomas, probably no Saquon Barkley. The Giants were favorites going into the game. Now they're two-point underdogs because we have two of our best players out. So here's the question, um, Anthony. How do you set the tone in this game? You know, what do you – if you're the Giants, we got to score in the first half. Six first-half points this season. Six. It's it's unbelievable. You, you, you can't maintain success with that type of uh, production. You know, how do you think the Giants going to start this game um, and really – Put their best foot forward so that we can actually gain some momentum early on in MetLife, which we've had a lot of not-so-good performances at. 
Yeah, I'd argue that the Giants don't only need to score in the first half. That's a given. I think they need to score on the first drive. You want to talk about setting the tone. How about the New York Giants march down on their first drive and score a touchdown? Wouldn't that be nice? Not get into the red zone and get a field goal blocked. No, let's go into the red zone, score a touchdown on that first drive, or maybe take a big deep shot early in the game. How do you expose the Seattle Seahawks defense? through the air. This game, I know a lot of Giants fans might not want to hear it, but it rests solely on the shoulders of Daniel Jones to rise to the occasion. You are going up against one of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. Last week, the Seattle Seahawks let Andy Dalton tossed for 360 yards and two touchdowns with zero interceptions as a backup quarterback. Now, if Daniel Jones doesn't go into this game and put up some big numbers, I don't know what to say. I mean, he's got to compete here. Like, this Seattle Seahawks defense is not good. They are not sacking the quarterback. They are not pressuring the quarterback. Yes, I know that the Giants have the worst offensive line in football. I totally understand that. But even still, this is a terrible pass defense that we're seeing from the Seattle Seahawks through the first three weeks of the season. They just sit there in this cover three zone all game long. They run zone coverage 85% of the time, according to Pro Football Focus. And the Giants need to learn, let's just... Let's just tear apart this zone coverage. Like, let's just get Darren Waller up the seam. Like, we talked all offseason long about how Darren Waller would be that seam ripper, that guy who just runs right up the seam against these cover threes and makes big plays. Well, we haven't seen it yet this season. Daniel Jones hasn't really targeted him on many of those seam routes. So now, week three against the Seattle Seahawks, where they play a lot of cover three, seam route. Darren Waller, catch and run, go. That's what the Giants game plan needs to be. Like, let's attack this defense. And I know this is kind of a change of pace because I've been saying all season long the Giants need to run the ball, right? I've been saying, you know, take the ball out of Daniel Jones' hands in some of these situations. Don't ask him to do too much with this offensive line in front of him. Run the ball, set the set the tone through the ground game. Well, this week, I'm taking the opposite approach. I think that the Giants going up against this pass defense, this is a real opportunity for Daniel Jones to make use of his playmakers. Jalen Hyatt should absolutely get involved in the game plan today because this is a Seattle Seahawks defense that has a lot of struggles at the safety position. We've got Julian Love back there. You know, we're all familiar with Julian Love. We all really appreciated Julian Love when he was a member of the New York Giants. But this season, he looks like a player that could be cut by season's end uh, at Seattle because he's been that bad this year. His coverage grade is probably the lowest he's ever had in his career. He's missed five tackles already, which ties his career high. So he's got a 15% missed tackle rate. And he's also already surrendered 200 touchdowns and about 300 passing yards. So the New York Giants need to go ahead and attack Julian Love. It's a familiar face. They know him. Let's expose him. And let's expose everybody else in the Seattle Seahawks defense that's really just not getting the job done. The New York Giants need to go out there and throw the football tonight. Daniel Jones needs to be on his A game tonight. So in terms of getting those first half points, Alex, Daniel Jones has to, has to throw some dimes. We need some Danny Dimes tonight. And in terms of setting the tone, I think that, yes, running the ball is going to open things up in the passing game. It is great to establish the running game. But at the same token, I'd like to see a lot of play action. You know I was going to go there, Alex. I've been saying it for weeks. Play action passing game. Get some of these undisciplined Seattle cornerbacks and safeties to bite down for a second, then hit them over top. I really do want to see the Giants go bombs away today. Like, I want to see Daniel Jones just drop dimes all game long because that's what this defense calls for. This is what you're going to get against the Seattle Seahawks defense. You are going to find find opportunities to take shots downfield, generate these explosive plays, and make some big-time throws to Jalen Hyatt, to Darren Waller, and also Darius Slayton. These guys with all this vertical speed and this ability to separate deep, these are the players that need to rise to the occasion. It's not just Daniel Jones. I know I said it rests solely on the shoulders of Daniel Jones. I was being a little bit hyperbolic. The playmakers need to make plays. Darren Waller needs to catch the football. Darius Slayton needs to get open deep. But 
this has really got to be the game plan here against Seattle because all season long, they just keep getting shredded apart in the secondary. They're not able to cover the deep ball. They're not able to cover any of these crossing routes. So Isaiah Hodgins on those deep crossers that we love him on. It's time to run those. It's time to open up this playbook and just start airing the ball out against a really subpar passing defense that's allowing the third most passing yards per game in the NFL this season. So that's my take on the game plan. First half offense, Alex, like you said, the Giants need to score some points. And I think that they got to air the ball out and make some explosive plays in order to get those points on the board. But what is your take on it? How do the Giants create some of those explosive plays in tonight's matchup? Well, they did something interesting last week uh, on Thursday when, obviously, you look at how we went out in the game plan we instituted against the San Francisco 49ers. One thing they completely eliminated from the game plan was Daniel Jones running the football. They saw that San Francisco defense, and they said to themselves, if we let Daniel Jones run this football, we'd risk him getting injured. And I think that literally is why he did not run the football. The 49ers believed he was going to. The Giants obviously did not want him doing that. So this game, your season is basically on the line in this game. You whip out all the freaking stops, man. You have to let Daniel Jones run the football, designed runs, which now opens up play action even more. Because think about it, right? If you're rushing four guys, maybe you're sending an extra blitzer. Um, if you are, you have a linebacker spying on Daniel Jones, think about what it does when you open up the, the opportunity that, okay, Daniel Jones is picking up some yards on the ground. He's running the football. You know, we're moving the chains with his legs. Now you have opposing defenders needing to look at him at all times. You know, where is he? How do we stop him? You have a guy spying on him, for for example, and you know that guy starts to break on Daniel Jones. What happens when that guy breaks on Daniel Jones? He leaves a space open behind him. You need to attack that space. You know, there's gonna be open holes to uh, actually, you know, put the football and and pick up yards. And ultimately, it doesn't only have to be an explosive downfield passing game, right? The legs of Daniel Jones can make it happen. Guys like Wandale, I think Wandale could have a big game today, personally, because. That space, that that short intermediate range, he can dominate there. Darren Waller, I mean, like like you were saying before, attack the seams. They don't have good coverage linebackers. They don't have good coverage guys. You know, this is where you take it. You take it a you know a step forward. I'm pretty sure they're missing their nickel corner. Um, so you, like you have to step forward and take the space that's being given to you. But at the same time, you know, we have so much speed. You know, that was one of the big things that we tried to put in motion this past offseason. Paris Campbell's got 4-3 speed. Jalen Hyatt's got some in, insane speed. Darius Slayton's got insane speed. Why are, why are we not using that, right? You know, there's, there's really interesting plays that I saw. Like, look at what the Chiefs did yesterday, for example. It was a couple plays that I saw. And, and for what it's worth, we also saw a couple plays uh, from the Rams, if you guys watched the Rams game. What I noticed is that look at how much motion they have in the backfield at all times. They have guys running up to the line of scrimmage, stopping, and then perceiving or even even running across parallel to the line of scrimmage and then they hike the ball and they're already in motion to hit those flat routes you know what i mean they're exposing coverage tendencies of opposing teams if you're seeing that they're playing zone and there's nobody following him you create confusion the problem is the giants offense hasn't done a lot of that stuff last year we saw so much motion we saw so many things happening but I haven't seen the same amount this year, Anthony. I don't know if you've noticed that too, but it seems like we kind of vanilla it a little bit. And, and sometimes I get a little concerned about that because, you know, that motion, that confusion that you create can keep defenses on their toes. And I want to see the Giants use that more. Wandale, Paris, um, you know, Hyatt, put, put these guys in motions, use their speed, use that leverage, you know, draw defenders out of position that, and then take that space. You have guys like Darren Waller who have insane, um, you know, uh, you know, catch radiuses. But again, it ultimately boils down to the offensive line. So here's the, the key for the Giants. This game is going to be won and lost and in the interior of that offensive line because the Seahawks, 
uh, have Mario Edwards Jr. and Jerron Reed. And those two guys are Gerard Reed, one of those two names. Those two guys have 22 pressures this season in three games. They're going to put absolute impact, impact pressure on Marcus McKethan, on John Michael Schmitz, and Ben Bredesen. Bredesen's return is a huge deal for this Giants team. I don't think people understand how important that is. Shane Lemieux should never sniff the freaking grass again. The artificial turf, whatever freaking substance they have on the field these days, don't even sniff it. He should not be on the football field. Ben Bredesen's return is essential to this team's success. Um, this interior line needs to have their best performance of the season tonight. They're going to run stunts. They're going to run twists. Josh Azudu, Evan Neal, step the hell up. You've got to manage the stunts and twists. The Giants have been one of the worst teams at communicating. Um, it's been a problem. Ben Bredesen has barely played any snaps with Josh Azudu, guys. He's played half a game with Josh Azudu. They have basically no chemistry together. That is going to be problematic, right? At least Ben Bredesen knows the snap count. Shane Lemieux did not even know what was going on half the time. So at least you have a little bit of chemistry in the sense that he just knows what's going on. But the chemistry between him and Azudu is basically non-existent. McKethan and Evan Neal have two games with experience together. How important is it that we manage that? You know, you're going to need Daniel Bellinger to ha help on the blocking. You're going to need Matt Breda to step up or Gary Brightwell or Eric Gray step up and pass protection from the running back position and passing uh, snaps. How do you win in the trenches here? Because those two interior linemen, the guy and Wosu as well on the edge, who's fantastic, and Boya Maf, or Mafe, I don't know how to say his name exactly, but he's also very, very talented. So they have some decent pass rush. They have the 12th-ranked pass rush in football right now. Um, it is not going to be an easy feat for the Giants to stop them, which is why play action comes into play here. You overload one side, play action, and then you give yourself a second. An extra second is all it takes for Daniel Jones to launch that thing downfield and, and have Darius Slayton or Jalen Hyatt running underneath of it. You know, how do you think you stop those interior guys? It's going to be a really difficult challenge where the Giants need to step up. It's going to be on them uh, to win this game. Yeah, it's going to be tough. But if you want to talk about getting those interior defensive linemen and, you know, preventing them from wrecking your game plan, how do you get them out of the game plan? Uh, you just don't stand in a normal pocket and have them pass rush. What you can do is those bootlegs that Daniel Jones had so much success with in the, in the 2022 season. Last year, we saw him fake bootleg, then run with it up the sideline. We saw that against Indianapolis, against Chicago for touchdowns. And we also saw take the play against Minnesota, for example, when he hit Isaiah Hodgins on a crossing route, fake the handoff to the left, roll to the right. And then the interior defensive lineman has to respect the left and then also try and make their way to the right. Big interior defensive lineman can't make that play. There's few and far between that you find an interior defensive lineman that can track the quarterback like that. So if you want to take those guys out of the play, you're going to have to get Daniel Jones out of the pocket. Now, I know that we talk a lot about having Daniel Jones, trying to get Daniel Jones a clean pocket, give him some space to work with, some, some time to operate in a clean pocket and read the field. It doesn't hurt all the time to just roll him out of the pocket, shorten the field, give him just a sideline to work with, and get him on the run away from all those pass rushers when you have such a bad offensive line. So in my opinion, I think that's a great way that the Giants can mitigate some of this pressure because when you're looking at their edge rushers, not nearly as good as their interior defensive linemen. So you want to get those interior guys out of the equation. And how do you do that? Well, in my opinion, you roll him out of the pocket. So I would assume that the Giants are going to implement more quarterback design uh, scramble plays. Plays, right like plays where Daniel Jones is just schemed to get out of the pocket get his legs on the move we know that Daniel Jones is one of the fastest and most elusive quarterbacks in the NFL so they got to start utilizing that you know he hasn't ran the ball too much this season he hasn't had a whole lot of opportunities on quarterback design runs and they also haven't rolled him out of the pocket too often if you guys remember back to when Eli Manning uh, was in this offense with Ben McAdoo running it in 2016 
The Giants offensive line was really bad back then, arguably the worst in the NFL in 2016 as well. They ended up making the postseason. A lot of that had to do with the heroics of guys like Landon Collins, um, Olivier Vernon, Janoris Jenkins, Odell Beckham Jr., of course. But also, Ben McAdoo did a good job that season. I know that sounds crazy to say that Ben McAdoo did a good job. Believe me, guys, I don't like Ben McAdoo either. But he did a good job that season mitigating some of that pressure because you would see Eli Manning run those bootlegs almost every single play. It was like constant that he would just fake the handoff or roll out and then throw the ball. It was so often that that he was just rolling him out of the pocket so that it wasn't just a deep drop back where the pass rushers have an opportunity to come pressure Eli Manning. And that's not something that we've seen with Daniel Jones. We haven't seen him on these bootlegs and on these rollouts, but I think that's something that the Giants need to implement. And when you're looking at this offensive line, it just can't hold up. Like this offensive line cannot stand cannot stand up against any defensive line in the NFL right now. So what do the Giants need to do? They need to start building an offense around a bad offensive line. Stop building an offense around your playmakers and assuming that you'll have enough time to get them the football because you just won't. So start building it around a bad offensive line. Game plan for it. Scheme for it. You know, create an entire scheme built on the fact that you're not going to have time in the pocket. So create that West Coast passing attack. Create those bootlegs, those rollouts, those things to get Daniel Jones running and into space. Rely on Daniel Jones's legs to keep Keep defenses um, guessing and, and respecting the running uh, ability of your quarterback. That's also going to create passing opportunities and take a, a pass rusher out of the equation. Because if Daniel Jones starts running, one of those pass rushers is no longer pass rushing. He's quarterback spying. And then you've got a whole extra guy out of the equation of pass rush. So there's different ways that the Giants can mitigate some of this pressure that they're receiving from their bad offensive line play. But right now, we're not seeing it. They're not really scheming around their bad offensive line. But I think that in tonight's game, this is an opportunity. Like I said, Quandre Diggs, safety, starting safety for the uh, Seattle Seahawks, 81st ranked safety in the NFL out of 81 safeties in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. He's a 33.4 overall grade. Now, I know that they're getting Jamal Adams back this week. That's huge for Seattle, but he hasn't played football in over a year. So I do think that the Giants have an opportunity to expose the secondary, regardless of whether or not Adams is suiting up. So like I said, this secondary is one that the Giants need to attack. This is a, a, an opportunity for them to make big-time plays, and I know that the offensive line has to hold up for them to do that, but I do think there are ways to mitigate this bad offensive line play. Roll Daniel Jones out, let Daniel Jones run, and let him scramble, make some plays. It's not like he's Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to roll to the right, throw to the left, make all these crazy cross-body passes, and I'm not saying that's what he needs to do. But there are different ways that you can get Daniel Jones to utilize his legs, his athleticism, and get him some cleaner opportunities without pressure in his face to throw the football. And that's one of the ways to do it. Bootlegs, rollouts, all that stuff. So that's what I think about the interior offensive line versus the interior of their defensive line. It's going to be a tough battle. And if you want to flip it into the running game, it's going to be an even tougher battle because I do think that the Giants are going to struggle to run against this defensive front. Yes, their secondary is very weak, which is why I expect it to be a pass-heavy game plan from the Giants. But running against this front, especially without Saquon Barkley in the lineup, is going to be a challenge. But an even bigger challenge, Alex, and this is what I want to dive into next, is stopping the run. The New York Giants run defense has sucked for the last two years. Last season, they were just putrid. This season so far, I mean, they're getting shredded by every running back they face. And now they're going up against the Seattle Seahawks, who have two great running backs in their backfield. You got Kenneth Walker. You got Zach Charbonnet. These are some guys who are finding the end zone and putting up some rushing yards, serious rushing yards on a week-to-week basis. What do the Giants do here? How do they slow down this rushing attack of the Seattle Seahawks? 
I mean, look, you look to your guys like Dexter Lawrence, you look to Leonard Williams, you look to your linebackers, right? Mike McFadden, if he cleans up those missed tackles, think about how good he's looked so far, right? If you eliminate the missed tackles, he's been fantastic. He's had opportunities in the backfield on a number of occasions where he's missed tackles. If he wraps those guys up, we're, it's a different it's a different game we're talking about with Michael McFadden. He played well last week, still ended up missing three tackles. So, you know, clean that up a little bit. And, and look, let's hold Wink Martindale accountable for what he said this week. He said, chart him. We're coming out, much better tackling, chart them. We will be charting them. Believe me, we're, we're going to be paying close attention to all the missed tackles. Um, and we hope to God that there's none because you can't win football games missing 16 tackles in a single game. The 49ers missed three compared to the Giants' 16. The Giants have missed, what, 29 tackles this year so far? I mean, it, you know, you, when you're averaging almost 10 ta- missed tackles a game, you're going to lose football games. And you're going to get smoked in a lot of them. So, <clears throat> you know, the Giants have let up. 28 points or more in their first three games. It's unsustainable, right? So, you know, if you're if you're big blue, you're asking yourself, how do you stop the run? Don't miss tackles. That's the, that's the key. Do not miss freaking tackles. That is how you stop the run. The Giants have been in good spots to, to stop the running backs from running the football. They just keep missing tackles. So <clears throat> when you're asking, in addition to that, cornerbacks, Deontay Banks, Trey Hawkins, time to step up, guys. Time to step up off the edge. If, you, if you're running outside zone and if I'm the Seahawks, Anthony, I am running heavy outside zone, attacking those cornerbacks in in run defense all day long. You watched Trey Hawkins last week, three missed tackles, didn't even look competitive. Um, Dante Deontay Banks, he's doesn't his form is awful. You know what I mean? If I'm if I'm any team, I'm attacking those guys in in the running game. <clears throat> At the same time, you know I'm attacking Aziz Ojolari, I'm attacking Kayvon Thibodeau because they've also been suspect at times. So you know if I'm the Giants, I'm really I'm really worried that. Our outside guys are going to get attacked and beaten. I'm not going to run inside zone against the Giants. Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence are going to stop you, right? I'm attacking the outside. So if that's if that's what Seattle's game plan is, they may have some really good success there. It's going to come down to Bobby O'Carrick. It's going to come down to Mike McFadden and Jason Pinnock and Xavier McKinney coming in and helping and stop the bleeding because that's how you win these games. Um, you need guys to step up and make tackles, and the Giants, the interior guys, can't save the day all the time against the run. Yeah, and I have a little bit, I wouldn't call this a hot take, I don't know what to call this, but I have a a little bit of a different angle that I want to take here in terms of the Giants, their tackling woes, the defense's problems, because I see a lot of fans saying that the the Giants defense isn't executing, Wink Martindale is doing a terrible job, and by the end of the game, what I see is a defense that just looks gassed. I thought that in the first half of that 49ers game, I don't know if the defense could have done a better job in that first half. You know, they held San Francisco to three points, they did a pretty good job there, you know, they were missing tackles, there were some struggles. But overall, they were slowing down the 49ers' offensive attack. However, the Giants' offense was unable to produce any points, could not get the ball downfield, was constantly going three and out. And my take on this, Alex, and I'm not trying to put blame on the offense for the defense's woes. The defense needs to be better. But surely there's some partial blame to go around. The Giants offense being unable to stay on the field. The defense constantly trotting back onto the field. I mean, imagine if you're on the defensive side of the ball, right? You're Xavier McKinney. You're trying to lead this defense. 10-minute drive from the San Francisco 49ers. Damn, you're gassed by the end of that. Now your offense goes back out there after you just held the 49ers to three points on a 10-minute drive. Goes three and out. So two minutes later, you're back on the field for another 10-minute drive. You're going to start missing some damn tackles. You are going to struggle. And I think that's a lot of the problem with the 
New York Giants defense right now. In my opinion, yes, the Giants defense has sucked. It has not been good. But in my opinion, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Giants offense is equally as bad, if not even worse, and causing the Giants defense to suffer. The Giants offense needs to start some sustaining some longer drives, picking up some first downs. When you go out there and you trot out and you just go three and out, three and out, three and out, and your defense just has to keep going back onto the field, finding that energy, drinking that Gatorade, taking those IVs, it becomes tiring, exhausting, and it gets harder and harder to bring down opposing offensive uh, playmakers. Debo Samuel is a great example. Debo Samuel is not a player that you want to line up against for 45 minutes in a game. You do not want to be on the field that long and have to tackle him that many times. But when your offense is not able to stay on the field and create some opportunities to keep the ball away from Debo Samuel, you're going to have to tackle Debo Samuel a lot more than you want to. And I think that's a big part of the problem, Alex. So I've just been kind of debating this with a few friends and a few fans. I think that the Giants offense needs to start helping the defense. You know, they need to start sustaining some drives. So I want to get your take on it with the defense. I know that they're not playing well. I've been very critical of Wink Martindale, right? Like all those things are still true, but I do think there is some blame to put on the offense for the performance of the defense. And the fact is, if the Giants offense can't sustain long drives and keep the ball out of their opposition's hands, the defense is going to continue to get battered by these long-winded drives that opposing offenses are putting up on them. I mean, absolutely. I mean, that's time of the, uh, that's just the time of the possession, um, you know, game you're playing there, and I think that's a, a valid argument to make because, like, think about this, right? Against the 49ers, the Giants had I think 13 minutes of possession or something like that, like some crazy number. They barely were on the field, man. They barely were on the football field. You cannot win games if your offense is not out there, um, and then you gas your defense early, and our defense is not capable of, of lasting 30 minutes of possession, you know, for the opposing offense. So, hey, look, if I'm the Giants, here's the thing, though, okay? It's a delicate balance because the Giants are not a good team at orchestrating long drives, right? You, they're not the Chiefs. They're not the Bills. Like, they need to be scoring frequently um, with explosive plays. And the only way they do that is if Daniel Jones has enough time in the pocket to get the ball downfield. So, you know, my, my, my concern here is that, the Giants are not a, a West Coast style like move the chains type of offense because they don't they don't get open enough and Daniel Jones is you know struggles at times to can make those throws and the offensive line is falling apart like there's too many problems for them to maintain that level of consistency and dragging out these 90 yard 75 yard drives right it's they're, it's they're not really good at it so the best way to do that is to score a lot of points with explosive plays and. I just don't think the Giants are very good at that either. So, you know, you find yourself as you know, you find yourself wondering, how do you stay on the field if you're the Giants without Saquon Barkley? Um, it's going to have to come with a bit of creativity. You're going to need Daniel Jones to run the football effectively, which is what I said at the beginning of this episode. You need unlock his legs, bro. Let him go. Let him run. You got to design some opportunities for him to run the football this time. Um, you know, because last week obviously they didn't even try. So you know, you got to get players into, into space. You got to attack weak matchups. You got to give your receivers opportunities to make throws. Not look. People think like receivers have to be open all the time. Right? Sometimes guys have to make competitive catches. Sometimes guys got to outmuscle opposing defensive backs. 
Darren Waller, bro, got a huge wingspan. Give him a chance to make a play. Darius Slayton, give him a chance to make a play. Um, I think sometimes we think that receivers have to be open 100% of the time, and Daniel Jones has to be sitting there, and a guy's got to have five yards of separation. That's not football. Like, you're going to have to make tough plays sometimes. So, um, got to fit into tight windows. Got to make those great throws. You got to extend drives. You got to give your receivers a chance. You know what I mean? Don't take stupid risks, like running out of bounds and throwing it right to Stephon Gilmore. Like, don't do that. But you can take risks where you're in you're in man coverage. There's a guy a, a foot behind him. You put it in a good spot where only your guy can get it. Good, great quarterbacks make those throws. You know, if you watched Stafford yesterday, he made some unbelievable throws, threading the needle, getting it into the right spot for his guys to make a play. The Giants don't take enough, like, uh, I guess, like, high-probability risks. They take dumb risks, and then they wait for guys to have five yards of separation. Sometimes you got to make those tough throws. You know what I mean? I mean, for goodness sake, I, I don't know if you watched that game yesterday uh, with Zach Wilson. But no, it was Desmond Ritter, right? He looked terrible for the, for the Falcons. But he was – they were just basically waiting, waiting for him to run that RPO game and run that short passing concepts and then bite, bite down. But Ritter made a couple of really nice throws in the second half that were like just inches marginal difference of being uh, intercepted. Sometimes you've got to make tough throws um, even if you're like having a tough game. You know, you gotta, you got to maintain your confidence. So, you know, here's, you know, where you ask yourself for, for Giants fans, you know, do you, are, are you okay with the risk of, you know, being a little bit more aggressive? Um, I'd like to see them be more aggressive because I, I, don't, I don't think the Giants are ever going to win playing this this level of vanilla um, and, and not taking opportunities, not taking chances. But there's a lot of variables that go into it, you know, obviously when it comes to time in the pocket. But like you said in the beginning of this episode, Daniel Jones got to step up, man. Like this is this is it. This is your season's on the line, basically. You have a really t- tough couple weeks coming up. This game could have wild card implications in the future. You're at home. You 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 know you obviously get Ben Bredesen back. You have, you're going up against a really bad pass coverage unit. Like this is where you got to step up. This is where good quarterbacks make their money. Like you said, you know, before we started recording, Aiden McConnell, or the hell his name is, stepped in for the Ra- the Raiders yesterday, threw for 250 yards and like had a really solid game and almost pulled off a you know a close. It was close in the fourth quarter, man. Like you know, think about this. Geno Smith has hasn't had his two, had, hasn't had his starting tackles for like two weeks now. And he's still playing at a high level. So at some point, you know, a little bit of blame has to be shifted. But I do think that there's reasonable cause. Like, Daniel Jones is not just a two tackles. That's the whole offensive line is bad. You know what I mean? It's not just Evan Neal. It's not just Andrew Thomas being out. It's everybody freaking stinks. So, you know, at a certain point, you got to get some consistency there. But look, this is Evan Neal and McKethan's third game together. This is Ben Bredesen coming back. John Michael Schmidt's third game. He hasn't been bad. Josh Azuda has a little bit of uh, room to work with. And, you know, he has a little bit of experience now. This is where you take a step forward. This is where you show you've got, you've actually gotten better and not gotten worse. And if they get worse, I'm, I'm looking at the coaching tomorrow personally on the offensive line because, you know, where else do we look at that point? Because I just don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean I- – we're running out of answers you know we keep coming up with all these different problems that are clearly there for the new york giants and we try and find the different answers and solutions and they don't implement them they don't execute them it's all very confusing right now but i agree with you that if the new york giants offensive line doesn't take steps forward in the next couple of weeks bobby johnson has to be on the hot seat like brian dable needs to reevaluate his standing as the giants offensive line coach Uh, i think that's just inevitable at this point with how bad the Giants offensive line has been but I do like the point that you made there Geno Smith is going to be without his two starting offensive tackles in tonight's game if he goes out there throws for 300 plus yards bombs some touchdowns against this Giants defense and Daniel Jones throws for 150 yards 
yes, we're going to have to start blaming Daniel Jones just a little bit, okay, guys? Like, we got to start shifting a little bit of blame here. If Geno Smith can go out there and do it with no offensive tackles, Daniel Jones has to go out there and do it without his starting left tackle. I know his whole offensive line is bad. You said that, Alex. I agree with you. But, I mean, there's a lot of bad offensive line play around the NFL right now. In fact, I would argue it's kind of like an epidemic in the league right now. Nearly every offensive line just sucks. There's like a handful that are really good, and then everybody else just seems to be terrible right now. Pass rushers are going crazy this year. You're seeing six sack performances out of guys like Khalil Mack, and a lot of other players are getting multi-sack performances. Offensive line play around the NFL is really bad right now, but also quarterback play around the NFL is really good right now. So Daniel Jones needs to start becoming part of that good equation, even though his offensive line is inevitably going to remain in that bad equation. So that's just what I'm seeing. Again, Geno Smith goes crazy tonight. Daniel Jones got to go crazy tonight. If, De- if Geno Smith wants to make it a shootout, Daniel Jones has to make it a shootout, but he can't let this become a blowout. And again, if the Giants offensive line doesn't start to show signs of improvement, and if this offense in general doesn't start to show signs of improvement against such a favorable matchup like the Seahawks secondary, then we do have to start having conversations and questioning a lot of the coaches on this team. But it should be an interesting matchup. Again, I think this is a winnable game for the Giants. This is one that we should go out there at home, prime time. I want to see a good performance. Please, can this defense make some plays? Can we finally force some turnovers? Can Daniel Jones go out there and drop some dimes? I know that he can, but will he? I want to see him do it, and I want to see the Giants hopefully get a win on Monday Night Football. So, of course, we'll continue to update you. We'll have our post-game reaction and everything else right here on Fireside Giants when the game is finished. So make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.